You're listening to Q&A Over Coffee. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for obtaining accounting, tax, or financial advice from a professional accountant. Yeah, you could kind of hear, you know, this is when we were doing this on site. It was kind of nice because you could could almost hear each other better through the headphones than you could just talking with each other outside because I was talking with John Connolly for a little bit. And then I said, hey, you want to hop on the podcast quick? And John was like, uh, sure. Of course he did. Of course John did. He just pretended like he I didn't. think he was. I think he was just playing hard to get. He was He was kind of watching it from the outside. And then uh, I went to say hi. And he jumped right on. So did Kurt, actually. So I got both John and Kurt on there. So is it always a relief to have the main event over with? or? Uh, you know, it's... we. You know, someone the other day said, oh, I bet you're really nervous, really keyed up. I said, no, not really. I said, we've been doing this for 15 years. And and uh, historically, I had such a much bigger part. And so this year, you know, it's like it's down to five minutes of introductions. Yeah. Whereas in the past, there was panels, so things like moderate that. the panel. And there was a lot of involvement, a lot of preparation. And, you know, you, you never quite know exactly how they're going to go. And we did panels for years. Uh, I'm not sure how many years you were in, have been I've involved. I've seen the last five about. Yeah, so probably go back 10 years. We were downtown. You know, what, one year we had a snowstorm that people couldn't get there. You can't cancel and decide to right. change it. That's too late. Uh, the other year, Klobuchar was there and kept decided to keep talking. And Tom Emmer was there. And, and you know, they, they can't resist putting a little pitch in. But we've done panels, and we've, you know, you have a panel, as you know, you, you never quite know if there's going to be, and you advise no yes or no answers. Yeah. You know. Welcome to our Q&A Over Coffee podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hennen. Uh, with me in the room here is Valerie Arndt and Bob Kill. And on today's edition, we are going to talk about manufacturing in Minnesota, specifically going over the results of Enterprise Minnesota's state of manufacturing. Bob, welcome to the show. Um, please take a moment, introduce yourself, introduce uh, Enterprise Minnesota and what you guys do for manufacturing in Minnesota. Well, Adam, thanks for having me. Uh, I never get tired of talking about manufacturing and the value it brings to our great state and to the many communities and to the great employees within manufacturing companies. Uh, Enterprise Minnesota uh, is an organization that's focused on living our mantra of helping manufacturing enterprises grow profitably. And to do that, uh, our mantra and our mission is kind of similar in that we really want to uh, help manufacturers get better to compete and grow. And for that side of it, we uh, provide consulting services to help them. Uh, But today we're going to talk about uh, what we call our visibility campaign, uh, our state of manufacturing in its 15th year, that's designed to really reach out and make manufacturing better known across the entire community, whether you are a manufacturer, know of a manufacturer, or just interested in helping the economy of your community in the state. Yeah. So you guys just wrapped up um, and released the results of your 15th annual state of manufacturing survey with the Minnesota manufacturers. Do you want to provide uh, some background on the survey and what Enterprise Minnesota uses 
the results for and how you guys uh, help manufacturing in that way? Well, over the 15 years, it really has grown in its uh, following by our elected officials, by industry leaders, by the media. Uh, but it's really targeted toward really trying to bring out the challenges and opportunities that the manufacturers themselves see. It's a minimum of 400 manufacturers. It's a phone interview, so we're assured it's executives that are doing it. But we have to oversample because we want to get uh, the regions of the state represented. So it ends up being well over 500 surveys uh, because we do break the data up by seven regions across the state. And that's really important because uh, southwest Minnesota is a lot of ag manufacturing, or as you go to the northeast, it's got forestry and mining, obviously. So you do see metrics that are that are quite quite different. Yeah. So out of the 15 years, any new surprises out of this year's survey? Or what would you say is the, maybe the number one issue or theme that you've seen come up? Well, I think a lot of the f uh, uh, verified what we were anticipating we'd hear because simultaneously we did uh, 10 executive focus groups, which encompassed about 105, 106 manufacturing executives around the state. So a, a lot of it was uh, similar, but you know, I guess I didn't anticipate the depth of concern about some of the things that, uh, that we thought were kind of going away. But the legislative actions around uh, you know, the guidelines, the actions, the paid leave, the cost of paid leave, how it's going to affect the very small and small manufacturers, really just jumped off the off the scale. And we knew it would be a concern, but it turned out to be a bigger concern, especially to those small and mid-sized manufacturers, small and, and very small manufacturers, of which make up a huge number of manufacturers in our state. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking offline about how it's not even just an issue for manufacturing. That That's an issue for business, I think, you know, statewide right now. And Absolutely. It's it's uh, it's a really challenge. All of our chambers across the state are concerned. Uh, any company that uh, is under 10 employees, it's just really going to put on a burden on them that they just don't anticipate. And the analogy I always bring is if the small public companies many years ago when something called Sarbanes-Oxley came out of the legislation. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Uh, it had the same guidelines for a small public company as it did for the very large multi-billion dollar companies. And it just drove a lot of them away from the public uh, market. And uh, we, we're yet to see the, the, the pain that's going to be coming from some of these guidelines and regulations that came into effect. Yeah, you know, what was really interesting, I thought, on this one was how how much this issue impacted manufacturers of all sizes. It wasn't just, you know, sometimes you get healthcare impacts the little guys, but the big ones haven't figured out. Or, um, you know, finding workers, maybe the smaller ones can find them, but the big ones can't staff up. But this one was pretty well concentrated across the board. Big, big manufacturing, small manufacturing, inside the cities, outside the cities. Uh, you know, everybody was, was flagging that as a really high concern, so... I think unanimous that this is going to be a big issue for not just manufacturing, but all business. So something that um, I know we have on our radar to try and, you know, bring some resolution to and, and help communicate some of the rulings to our clients um, once we know more as well. And I think that's the biggest issue is people just don't know what's all in it. So, yeah, I think that's a lot about knowledge, knowing what it is and then thinking about remedial steps, like what do I need to do personally with my business? Um we actually have 
coming up at the end of this month, an episode specially dedicated to this topic on the Minnesota employment laws. We'll have an HR employment lawyer on the call with us from Fafinski, Martin yeah. Johnson. So it is FMJ. That's Natoli. what I thought. I'm sorry. Yeah. Natoli. Yeah. And she is really good. She's busier than a little bee because <laughs> uh, we've she's done a couple things with us and all of our peer councils as you've been involved in. Yeah. You know, the statistics are, are pretty overwhelming. There's 8,400 manufacturers approximately in the state of Minnesota. 5,000 of those manufacturers are 10 employees or less. Those are in the heart and soul of the pain, but there's only probably 300 that have their own staff, maybe 400 that have their own staff internally to deal with this. So it is very universal. Uh, you know, it, it's it's as widespread as the word workforce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, that I kind of watch for too is just the pace of the economy. What's the general feel of you know, the economy and, and what their outlook is on that one. And this is the first one that, you know, I've, I've think I followed the last five rollout events that you guys have done. And this is the first one where I've seen kind of a more of a cautious, really cautious outlook on the economy. And, and it seems weird because coming out of COVID, I think there was a lot of caution, but people felt generally speaking that they, they still had, I think, good expectation for sales and performance. There were just other issues that were coming up that made some uncertainty in the marketplace. But this one felt a little different where it was maybe more impacted on, we don't know what our operations are going to look like going into 2024. Is that, do you get that same feeling or is there, can you speak to anything on that? Oh, it's absolutely, you know, it's a mixed bag uh, right now. Uh, I think COVID was a big, strong wind at our back in a lot of cases. We all thought it was going to have a negative effect. In many cases, it had a positive effect for manufacturers because they were deemed essential uh, and I think there's a there's a time to uh, kind of recalibrate because there's a lot of winds outside of their control that are kind of uh, blowing right now. And I think manufacturers are optimistic by nature or pragmatic by nature. And when the challenges are really outside of their control or, so, or there's so many in their own mind, it does create this concern about uh, is looming inflation coming? Uh, is, uh, you know, my larger customers uh, cutting back a little bit. There's certainly a little bit of inventory uh, overhang that's left over from COVID. So just a lot of very small variables adding up to something a little larger variable is the way they, I would see it. But at the same time, you know, the, in the back of their mind is their work, their workforce. And, you know, they even if their business is slowed, they don't dare get rid of anybody right now. And at the same time, they really have to have the, you know, a really a great place to work because the competition still is keen. And workforce challenges always suffer from generalization. Uh, one thing this survey, Adam, showed is that the, the greater Minnesota, smaller communities far out, which our regionalized, regionalized data showed, uh, are really suffering even more so than the metropolitan in keeping workers, the right kind of workers, and inflation still affects them more so. There's mm -hmm. costs in greater Minnesota further away from the metro that you don't see in the metropolitan area. And that is one of the reasons why we like to break the data up into the seven rural regions and then the metro area. Yeah. You know, you talked about workforce, and workforce, I think, has been a trending issue in manufacturing the past several years as far as just finding workers, finding the right workers and retention. But you had a slide in the deck this year that talked about open positions in manufacturing. 
And I was really surprised to hear that that's gone down as much as it has. Um, any thoughts on that? Absolutely. You know, that's tied to everything we've just chatted about. It's tied to the concern about economy, so I'm probably not going to hire as aggressively as I was four or five years ago. Uh, it's tied to the concerns over the legislative uh, actions that were taken. So it's introduced uh, a conservative approach to workforce because nobody, they've all learned the hard way. We cannot overhire and then have to lay people off because that'll affect our reputation in the community, et cetera. So it's, it's a direct result. That, that one, to me, was a direct result of the other things that are going on that have said, hmm, this COVID stuff is behind us, and uh, we got to be a little more careful than maybe we were back then. Oh. So <clears throat> on the list of, of concerns and things impacting manufacturing, I mean, workforce, with the paid sick leave, I, I think I saw healthcare in there somewhere. Um, and that's kind of been silenced a little by some of the other issues kind of rising to the top. But where do you f- feel that healthcare is shaking out in the the world of manufacturing? Is that still a big issue? Yeah, healthcare costs have never gone away. It's it's part of that one slide in there that talks about what what do you want to be known for? It's a great place to work, and it's tied to that in a way because uh, you, if you're a small or very small company, you need to now be more competitive in your overall benefits of healthcare. You know, when we started the survey, you know, I think that healthcare costs, uh, the young people kind of shrugged their shoulders. It was, it was for us more senior people. We knew that healthcare was important. Today, it's everybody. It's a, it's a competitive and the smaller companies, again, if you look at the, uh, the background behind it, the very small companies, healthcare was even a bigger concern. But it was one of the metrics, Adam, that kind of moved up this year. And part of that is when you think about paid leave, cost of paid leave, that kind of fits into side of that category. So the, that was a little bit of it, but healthcare costs have never gone away. They've just been superseded by workforce and more pressing like issues. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. One thing I was surprised about in looking at the results was how low of a priority it seems like strategic planning, succession planning is to manufacturers compared to a lot of these other issues that we're talking about here. You know, during COVID, I think we all got sloppy a little bit. Uh, maybe I didn't, but everybody else yeah. did. So, but uh, uh, we all got, you know, kind of, we got up in the morning and, you know, I always say that we'd make decisions based on the pattern of a similar situation. COVID, we didn't have a similar situation. So there was a lot of making it up as we went, which kind of threw away strategic planning a little bit. Uh, it is a big concern. It's it's really exemplified again by that very small who, you know, might be a small family business, but it is a concern because I think now is the time when you should be investing and thinking about, you know, think a little bit out of the box because the world has changed after four years of kind of strange environment, and with the concern of some of these things like maybe inflation, possible recession, now's the time to be thinking about how to, what happens to what if. Let's do some what ifs, the beginning of strategic planning. So to be concerned about that, I totally agree. It, uh, it just never kind of moves off that 50-50. Yeah. You know, that's, um, so I've, I've done some sessions with your peer groups and we've talked about managing through uncertainty and how you kind of get your business through it. And it's a lot of what if planning. And that's kind of our key takeaway is follow cash, you know, project out cash and just 
plan different scenarios. What if sales drop by 20% next year? Can we, you know, can we carry the expense burden or do we have to look at cost cutting and, you know, all those type of things. So it's a, it's a good process for people to go through kind of pulling themselves out of the inner workings of the business, thinking about their business on the outside and maybe taking that step back look and just go through a what if scenario. So, well, you know, you mentioned that the peer councils, there's about 105, I think probably participants or members, uh, and you've spoken to them, and and but that's a group that tends to think that way to start with. That's For why sure. they're in a peer council. That's, yeah. that's why they are looking at other advisors, and we re- strongly recommend to people that you should be because you need outside resources. We all do. Uh, you, know, you know, we're ISO certified, and uh, why do we do it? Because we want an outside auditor to come in. So if we're going to preach to our clients that they should help, we should help them, or Olson Thielen or FMJ should help them. We should have we should practice the same to ourselves, and, yeah. and it's really important to uh, to think about if this went away, you know, if I lost a key person, what would happen? Uh, you know, if my key automation technology uh, had a problem, and these small companies, it could be twenty five percent of their business. Well, I um, there's a slide in your in your manufacturing results that talked about what companies want to be known for, and out of curiosity, Val, I'll, I'll flip this one to you. See what your impression was of manufacturing. Now, Bob, but you, this is easy for you. I think there's a layup because you've you visited and toured enough manufacturing. But what is like your what would you think a manufacturer would want to be known for? I think there's a lot. What are you talking about going into their actual environment, like on the floor? I think they'd want it to be organized, well set up to make for a productive area, right? So things make sense. Their process makes sense, how it flows through the steps and have ways to communicate with their staff down there, right? Whether that's having people down the floor, whether that's, you know, talking through apps, tablets, whatever it is, their communication process. I think that's important. Um but but if we're talking about what was in the actual results and what they say they want to be known for, is she that studied what you're the results. Asking? Yeah, That's yeah. Let's go that is. way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the the thing I always think of. You know, manufacturing used to be viewed as sort of a dirty, um, hardworking, gringy job. But you know, with a lot of dust and a lot of you know torn pants and stuff like that. But it's it's changed so much over the years. And you know, Bob, I was talking to you about a bathtub manufacturer and how they had a lot of sanding. And you would think that. Even while walking on the floor, there would be a lot of dust and just things covered. And it wasn't. It was it was very clean. Um, people still wore suits to and I'm sure there was some close up dust. But um, you know, the environment has gotten a lot safer in manufacturing. It's a lot cleaner in manufacturing. And now as your survey reveals, um, you know, they're really going head to head with a lot of just even some office businesses wanting to be known for competitive wages, you know, a good work life balance, uh, flexible shifts safe environments. Um, do you, does Enterprise Minnesota do a lot of consulting with manufacturing on helping them position themselves? We do. Uh, you know, over the years, we've developed a number of uh, services that are focused on the, what I call talent development, and that's a culture. Of course, everything we do in some ways or another is culture. Lean is not a tool. It's a shift of a culture. And so all of that is, in some ways, creating a better environment for the day to work, 
I, I, I've been surprised over COVID how all of this has come to the forefront more so. And part of it is that, that flexible shifts, uh, you know, five eights. Adam, I bet you don't have any clients that work five eights anymore. They're all four tens. I know we have we have a client that's three twelves plus a four. Uh, that's way up north where you know they don't show up in the Monday of deer hunting because uh, <laughs> they, they don't open their plant. They don't even open school yeah, on Monday a of deer holiday. hunting. Yeah, <laughs> but but I, I think this is really important. You know that because uh, the workforce of the future is going to be looking for a better balance. Yeah. Uh, and we have a we have a client that's a foundry, and the foundry that when he purchased it, it's about sixty employees. And when he purchased it, it wasn't the, what I'd call the top foundry in the region. But today their power comes from a solar farm that he buys power from. Uh, he's felt that's really helped attract. He's uh, done some chaplain work to help uh, some of the employees with the challenges outside of work. Uh, and he's offered different kind of uh, shifts where he's got two working parents and they need, need, the, need the help. So that's just one example of creating a work-life balance that uh, that he's used to make a foundry feel different to his employees than a foundry typically maybe, is. Maybe felt in the past, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely uh, agree with everything you just said there. In fact, I, a lot of my manufacturers, if they don't work four tens, it's you know maybe four nines and a half a day on day five or something like that. But usually they're leaving early on a Friday. Um, and having a nice long weekend. So. Well, we're just trying to arrange uh, some tours with some elected officials, which, by the way, we thoroughly think that our manufacturers should do regularly. And it was on a Friday, and uh, the first three we talked to, which were wonderful companies, didn't have anybody there on Friday. <laughs> so, and they weren't about to pay their people to come in for a legislative tour, but it was kind of kind of verified the point we were just talking about. A good flexibility. Yeah, it's definitely changed over the years. So... With other manufacturers you've worked with, I mean, you have all these issues that come up, inflation, economic recessions, workforce workforce shortages. How does Enterprise Minnesota position themselves to help the manufacturing base? I know you guys do a lot of lean um, and and other consulting sales. Um, what else do you guys do to, to kind of help? Because you've, you've got this really valuable survey that's kind of identified a lot of areas where manufacturing maybe needs help or assistance or guidance. Do you guys take all that on yourselves, or do you partner with others, or how does this work? Well, we have a lot of partners. You saw them, uh, Olson Thielen being one. Uh, we call them our platinum sponsors, but those are our industry-exclusive sponsors that we can lean on when it's outside of our our expertise. You know, we began our journey 30 years ago. with We were called the lean people when nobody knew what lean was. Uh and, you know, continuous improvement to, has evolved and has become uh, very important in cutting costs, uh, creating great jobs for your people. Uh, but we also have three talent people that work on talent leadership, which we did not have uh, years back. And they all grew up inside of it, different models. But that's really key for all manufacturers to think about whatever they do, whether it's continuous improvement, whether it's trying to get ISO certified, whether it's strategic planning. It's all about your people. It's all about how are you going to motivate your people to really feel like they own a key part in making a change. And that takes us way back to when Lean began. Lean is about getting to the as closest to the challenge with the people that are the most knowledgeable about solving that that problem and making it better. And so, you know, that's really is the tie to be all 
focus on is it is about changing culture inside of a company, whether it's giving you tools to uh, do more with the same number of people, uh, whether it's attracting people, whether it's managing your supply chain, whether it's thinking about expanding your sales and going after new markets, you know, we do that. But again, it's about do you have the people to do it? So, you know, it's all based on ver- verify what can be in, can be anticipated, and it's through your people that you can can do that. So everything we do, one way or another, brings back your workforce into making it a better workforce and a better place for them to come to work. Yeah. Um, so Rob Autry, I think in towards the beginning of the rollout was talking about, you know, where where people view the the economy's heading if we're heading to a recession or or um or I think he he actually said it it's more of a period of economic stagnation. What's your gut tell you on where we're heading? I think it's mixed. Yeah. I think it depends on your market. Uh it somewhat depends on how well you're prepared for it. But there are markets that are rocking and rolling and going to continue. I think uh, we're seeing some of that in the aerospace and, and defense. Uh, med device is doing well. Ag is manufacturing is is coming back, driven on it. At the same time, uh, there are there are industries that got a little ahead of themselves during uh, during COVID, and I think are burning inventory off. We have a couple of clients that are heavy into the sensors and things, and uh, they. They're kind of watching it try to catch up again. But overall, I think if you invested during COVID and knew this would not last forever, uh, you feel like you can probably weather this storm, which we saw in the statistic also, that despite the concern, a very high number always say, I can weather the storm. Just quit moving the rocks around in front of me. (laughs) Eliminate the unknowns. Val, um, you saw the survey results. This is, I think, your second time uh, to the rollout event. What um, what might have popped out for you? I think, like we said before, last year it seemed people were almost a little more certain that a recession was of immediate concern and coming. And this year, people aren't so sure, right? They, they don't know what to think. Um, so that was interesting. One new thing that I noticed was the CHIPS Act and kind of the ramifications of that, I think, it's something maybe a lot of people don't know about yet or they're not sure if it applies to them. Can you talk a little bit more about that one, Bob? Well, the CHIPS Act, uh, we're quite familiar with the Act because of our relationship with the Manufacturing Extension Partnership, which is uh, inside the Department of Commerce or inside of NIST, and most manufacturers know who NIST is. Uh, but it's still being defined as to how it's going to affect the small and very small manufacturers. We do have some chips foundry here in the state, but it's bigger than that. It's related to the aerospace industry. It's going to it's going to uh, make its way into others, but it's still being defined. Uh, we have a good contact that uh, is assigned to it, and uh, you know they're they're still trying to figure out how they're going to manage that so that it, so that it doesn't all end up in the in the pockets of a very large chip manufacturers, but in the suppliers that make equipment. And other things that go that go mm-hmm. into it, and the sensors that go part of it. So, I think it's uh, we yet have to see the value and how it's going to get to the small manufacturers. But it's 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 a slow process. You know, that's um, someone was uh, mentioning to me. Was, we were talking about uh, chamber activities, and they brought up the Minnesota broadband grants, and you know how the government is is putting money back in through those type of programs. But I, 
you know, if you're a manufacturer that maybe produces some of that, you might be able to catch, you know, catch some dollars or some projects in that industry. But I don't know, that's, that's a pretty small sliver of what manufacturing taps into. So I'm not sure that that'll hit the market or not. But some of these programs, you know, the CHIPS Act, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, I think also had some things in there that might help business or help manufacturing. But, um, you know, how do you stay on top of all of that? Well, let's go back to the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, you know, we, you know, you, there's two sides to everything, of course. There's the political side, but, you know, a lot of manufacturers took advantage of it during the hard time to keep all their people, and it turned out to be very valuable because we needed the resources of those manufacturers, and so it helped them stay stay essential. Uh, you know, we, we try to publicize it uh, through our Enterprise Minnesota magazine, which comes out quarterly, or the weekly report. But also, you know, I just was looking at their weekly newsletter before I came, you know, we try to profile all of our partners and stakeholders and interesting news too. And we just hope that manufacturers read it because uh, there's things that you're doing and all of our platinum sponsors that are, that are very valuable, that aren't directly related to us other than our mission of helping manufacturing enterprises grow profitably. So uh, I just recommend that manufacturers be thinking about how you're gonna grow your business and doing it the same way you always did it maybe isn't the way. Yeah. So next, I think, um, for Enterprise Minnesota, you have some regional events coming up, right? Do you want to talk a little bit more about those and, and how that works across the state? Well, we work closely with the uh, the Initiative Foundations, and we should never assume that everyone knows the Initiative Foundation. Uh, the McKnight Initiative Foundations are part of uh, the 3M foundation. And of course, we know who 3M is. And they cut the rural part of the state up into six regions. And so we team up with those six, along with all of our platinum sponsors, like Olson Thielen, uh, to go to minimally of six locations. Uh, tomorrow, I'll be in Wilmer. We have about 70 uh, people signed up for that. And it's a real regional discussion. Uh, you get a certain number of manufacturers, but you get economic development, you get local educators, uh, you, you just you, the variety pack is always phenomenal. And what we find out is there's other resources on a regional basis that you just never hear of unless you go there. So that's first. Then we're going to go to Alexandria, and then to uh, just north of there. Monoman. 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 Get that right, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, you know, I've heard a lot of small uh, Minnesota towns, but that's one that I do not recognize. It's actually on the Indian Reservation. It is a casino. It's a wonderful location. Okay. And, uh, it works out well that we can go from Alec to there the next day rather than from Alec to Marshall or something. Uh, but we try to cover the state. We'll be in Owatonna, Duluth. Uh, North Branch, it looks North like. Branch, which is, again, right on 35W. So the Initiative Foundations kind of select their location. Uh, but it's a wonderful regional conversation, and I, I, I recommend anyone that wants to get into the conversation because they are more, more let's say, personal. And there'll probably be a couple more added to it as the year goes on. Now, when you do those rollout events, are they miniature versions of the survey rollout or are they, do they dip into other topics? They're miniature. With a, they're miniature. We, uh, we already have the slide deck. It, it's pretty similar, but a little bit, few of the, of the details taken off. Uh, you saw the interviews that were interspersed. Uh, they're consolidated into a much smaller event than at the end, though we still present and talk about the data in the order. Uh, but I think the uh, other thing is then we open it up to a conversation. 
And so there's a lot more dialogue at the end, direct dialogue with the audience. And that's where you start to realize resources that are available, challenges in one region that might not be a challenge in another region. So it, it's a much more personal, but it's also a lot more interactive. Sure. And then outside of those uh, rollout events, you guys also have a, a pretty impressive selection of workshops coming up as well that will help manufacturing. And I think those are, if correct me if I'm wrong, but free for manufacturing to attend, right? Absolutely. Uh, no charge for manufacturers. Uh, and we, we do some virtual and we do some in person, depending on the geographical location. You know, our business developer in Moorhead, he loves the virtual because he knows we're not going to do too many in person yeah. that far. And he gets a lot of uh, people to attend. But they're very powerful discussions and uh, top one single topic. And a lot of in-person ones in the metro area are, are uh, really excellent as far as networking. Maybe you see a customer yeah. there. Maybe you see a supplier there. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, I, I mean, I'd like to think that most of our clients are familiar with Enterprise Minnesota, but if the listeners aren't, how um, they can find all of this out on the Enterprise Minnesota website, right? Well, not only all of our key contacts uh, by the topic for us, so our consultants by their expertise and certifications and accreditations, uh, but all there's more details in the state of manufacturing you could ever dream of uh, out there on, on our website. And uh, some of the cross tabs are really looking closely at what's the difference between a larger company and a smaller company? What's the difference between metro and non-metro? That really opens the eyes to what I would say some of our elected officials as to how di different their district might be from from what they saw at the at the high level. Great. Well, Bob, thanks for your um, thanks for your time today. Thanks for joining us for this discussion. One thing I forgot to ask you at the beginning that I generally ask is, "What's in your cup?" and what I mean by that is, what do you got going on in your personal life so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better? But uh, the golf season's wrapping up, so I don't know if that shifts you to a, a if you're a snowbird at all, or if you go down to visit the warmer states, or what do you got going on? What's going on in Bob's life? Well, you know, golf. It, yeah, this is middle of October, middle of November. <laughs> we could be out there golfing right now. We, Adam. we it's, could. It's, it's a, a beautiful day out there. And, and I was uh, just this morning. Uh, I had to stop at Oak Ridge Country Club in Hopkins, and I saw that this private club still had their stakes in. I thought, what? This is, uh, so, you know, we don't hang out down south very much, uh, but we do enough. Uh, you know, I we like winter, yeah, and uh, I love manufacturing, so I like to stay close and be so involved all year. Home. True uh, Minnesotan. A true Minnesotan, <laughs> yeah. Until, until he watched the Gophers. <laughs> yeah. We'll keep that off record. <laughs> Check out all of our Q&A over coffee episodes on the Olson Thielen website. This is also the place you can go to be notified of any new episodes and submit your suggestions for future topics. You can also find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon. Be sure to follow Olson Thielen on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you.